Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having It All is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like yoga lovers, runners, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com slash A-L-L to support the show and see if you qualify. Welcome to the Having It All podcast, the show about what it takes to live an abundant, loving life. My name is Matthew Bivens, and each week I'm helping you get out of your head so that you can truly have it all. Let's do it. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, everybody? Matthew Bivens here, and welcome to the podcast. I am so happy that you're here hanging out with me today, and we're going to get into some some really great stuff today. I'm going to be sharing with you about my experience with weed. Yeah, so it's going to get interesting, and... Um, Probably want to put a what do I want to put a disclaimer at the head of this one that you know we're talking about weed, marijuana, a drug, a place, uh, a thing that in some places is still illegal here in the United States. So you know, use your discretion uh, when you choose to listen to this. If there are young people around or folks you may not want to hear me talking about this, um, and also this was kind of a tricky episode for me as well. Um, because, you know, not, not really because I'm sharing something personal, because I do that on the show, uh, but because I know that there are a lot of people out there who are going to be able to relate to my experience. Uh, folks who are using some sort of substance uh, to cope with life. Maybe not even a substance. Maybe it's an activity. But it's just something that you're doing or using to cope with, with life and your experience and your circumstances right now. And... You know, it's tricky because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist or a counselor, you know, or, or anything like that. So the last thing I want to do is to prescribe any sort of course of action for you or tell you what to do. However, at the same time, I don't want to leave anybody out there hanging because I know how lonely I felt because I had put myself in a box of loneliness. And I'm going to get into that. But I felt so lonely when I was going through my experience. And that's why I really wanted to talk about this because the, the feelings that I had, the emotions I was going through, you know, my paradigm, my, 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 my lens that I was looking at the world, I felt like I was the only one who had it because I didn't know anybody else who was experiencing anything like I was. So you know, that's really why I wanted to talk about this today. And uh, you know, if, if anybody there... You know, out there right now is struggling with something. 
my recommendation is for you to reach out and get some help. And I know that sometimes going directly to the source and saying, hey, I need help is challenging. I get that. So, you know, do whatever you need to do to communicate in however you need to communicate it to someone near you that, you know, you need a little bit of of assistance. You know, and sometimes it's going to be you communicating that in subtle ways. Maybe it's a note. (laughs) Whatever it is, like, let them know so that you can get the help you need because this stuff is real. And uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. So before I jump into the topic today, um, yeah, you know, I, I want to, I like to drop these little messages at the top of episodes now. It's, it's been pretty cool. And the message I want to share with you today uh, is something that was shared with me a couple weekends ago by a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> so I, I'm part of a running group every Saturday morning. We get up and we run four miles. And friends of mine, they brought their, they bring their kids and their kids are just these these amazing little athletes. And one of them wanted to share this realization, I guess, that he had or some wisdom that someone else gave him that he wanted to share with us that what you focus on expands. And for him, it was the context of in your run, if you're focusing on the run being challenging, then guess what? Your run is going to be challenging. And for the context of this conversation in this episode, it really does go hand in hand with what I'm going to get into, you know, because the things that you focus on, the things that you put energy into mentally and emotionally, whether they're unhealthy or healthy, they're going to grow. You know, it's like you're putting water and fertilizer on something. So it's, it's key to understand that because along with that idea is the fact, this is not a belief I have, this is a fact that you are an incredibly powerful creator. You create so much in your life, so many things that you are totally unaware of. Because a lot of time when we think of ourselves as creators, we only think of it in the context of things that we desire. Oh, this person uh, has a lot of money, right? So they're able to go out and create a lot of money, create success for themselves, to create better health for themselves, all of that. However, the struggles that you have the challenges, those things are created or co-created at some level as well. So you are a powerful, powerful creator. You truly are. And the things that you focus on, right? The things, the ideas, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions that you focus on, they're going to grow. And so that's my message for you today. Bring a little bit of awareness And again, it's going to play into the episode when we get into it a little bit later on. So now I want to shift and share some gratitude because I am so grateful to you. I'm so grateful to you for hanging out with me, whether this is your very first episode and you stumbled across this show somehow. I appreciate you. Thanks for taking a risk and hanging out with me and hanging out with all of us. And if this is not your first episode, if you've been back two, three, four, 10, 20, 100 times, then welcome back. Thank you for the support. Thank you for for constantly tuning in. And I had a really awesome listener email this week, and it comes from Ifioma. And uh, Ify, I hope I am pronouncing your full name correctly. You you wrote Ify in the email as well, so I'll 
I'll uh, refer to you by that name from now on. But um, if he was listening to the episode, How to Deal with a Confidence and Self-Worth Breakdown, and she really got a lot out of it. And so, Ify, I'm so happy that that episode spoke to you and that the message resonated with you. And if you haven't checked it out yet, it's a, I think it's a pretty solid episode. It's called How to Deal with a Confidence and Self-Worth Breakdown. And in the episode, I talk about a experience that I had going to my wife Sarah's high school reunion. So go check it out. And um, Ify, I think it's amazing that you're listening from Kinshasa, which is in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. That's awesome. That, that to me brings a huge smile to my face. I love how technology can connect us. It really is a beautiful thing. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for writing to me, Ify. I really, really do appreciate it. And if anybody out there wants to connect, wants to ask me questions, share some feedback, or just talk about the show in general, you can hit me up at mattcbivens at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And you might have your email or at least get a little shout out from me on the show if you do. Um, And you can also leave a review over at iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I always forget that the name changed. So go leave a review at Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and review. Tell me what you like and dislike about the show. Just be honest. Please be honest with me. And again, I'll be reading those on the air as well. So let's take a quick sponsor break. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into my relationship with weed and what it taught me about fear. I'll be right back. When was the last time you were rewarded for making healthy choices in your life? Health IQ provides life insurance for health-conscious individuals like you and I, and they believe that we should reap the benefits from healthy living. Just like saving money on your car insurance for being a safe driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. They use science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, vegetarians, and yoga lovers. 56% 56% of Health IQ customers save anywhere between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. And these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. Now, when Sarah and I were recently shopping for our life insurance, we would have loved to have saved some money thanks to our lifestyle. Well, now you can. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com all or mention the promo code all when you talk to your Health IQ agent. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> 
All right. So today's topic is all about my relationship with weed. And it's a very interesting thing, you know. Um, I'll just jump right into this story, really, and kind of give you guys a, a background. Actually, no, this is how I want to flow. I want to talk about my experience and my history and how I got into smoking weed and doing all that. And then I want to talk about, you know, being years removed from all of that. Looking back, what I learned that I was afraid of, because I was afraid, and I, and I used weed to help deal with fears. And so I'm going to talk about what I was afraid of. And then I'm going to talk about things that shifted within me during my weed smoking experience, and I'll leave you with some big takeaways. So let's just get into the, the story. Um, the beginnings were pretty basic. I had a, a group of friends and, you know, we were we were kids and we liked to party and do all sorts of stuff that young kids do. And somebody had weed. And so in the back of a pickup truck in my friend's neighborhood, that's when I smoked my first ever joint. And uh, I don't remember how old I was, um, but teenager. Uh, and I just remember coughing like crazy. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people did. It, it burned my lungs. It was probably the first time I'd smoked anything. And, uh, you know, I did it because everybody was doing it. And, you know, it was just, it was one of the things that I think at, on some level I wanted to experience in my life. Um, and it, that was the moment to experience it. So that started when I was in my late teens. And I don't think it actually became something I did regularly until a few years later, probably closer to 19 or 20. And um, at that point, it just became one of the recreational things that we did. And, you know, it was it was something where summers, we'd say, oh, some someone's parents are gone, so let's just go crash at the person's house and watch movies or play video games and, you know, smoke and do do all the stuff that I know a lot of kids out there do. And over the years particularly as I went off to college, um, it was my, my group of friends, you know, my high school friends that I started to smoke with. And then when I went to college, I created a whole new group of friends because I did not attend college in the same state that I, that I uh, went to high school in. So in my college, I didn't know anybody. So all of those friends were brand new. And none of them really, I don't, I don't know if any of them had, had smoked. I guess they had tried it once or twice, but none of them uh, smoked recreationally, and um, you know it was drinking. That's what that's what the, all the all the the kids that I knew in college did. So I was really the only one. And uh, at nineteen, I was arrested at a party for underage drinking. This was back uh, in well, I was arrested basically. And uh, when that happened, you know, I, I I had to go to court and deal with that whole mess and that's an old that's a story in and of itself uh, because it was very interesting but i won't get into that right now so i'm arrested at 19 uh you know spent the night in jail and went through the whole court system and ended up uh i don't think it was i never had a probation officer but it was some form of probation it was like you need to keep yourself clean and you keep your nose clean stay out of trouble for the next year you know, so I had community service service that I needed to do to hit a certain number of hours, and I had to stay out of trouble, especially around alcohol, for a year. And so, because you know, drinking was the way that I, my friends and I would would party and and have fun and do all that stuff when we were young. Because that was 
I no longer wanted to do that because I was terrified of of getting arrested again and you know facing some even steeper consequences. I just went exclusively to weed, and that's what I did. And again, since I was the only one in my my peer group who really was smoking, like I started to develop this solo weed smoking habit. And this is me. This is in college, and you know I I started to realize that okay, I like smoking weed and you know it was something that I enjoyed doing not just on Friday nights or the weekends when we would party but I started to enjoy it more regularly and it started to become a thing I would do almost daily and I I slowly over time you know developed a daily habit particularly at night I you know I had this belief again it grew over time but I had this belief that I needed weed to to sleep well. And again, it grew. It, it wasn't always like that. You know, in the beginning, my weed smoking was purely recreational. It was just, oh, you know, there's beer and there's weed. Okay, great. But then I started, things started to shift. And I remember being in college and having the awareness, because I didn't talk to people about smoking. You know, I, I kind of did it in my, in my, in my own room and kind of kept it to myself. My friends knew, but I wasn't talking to them about it, but I had this awareness and I recognized, you know what, you think about weed probably more than the average person and you like it to the point where you could do it every day, sometimes maybe in the morning and at night. So I made this bargain with myself. I said, as long as you get all of your college coursework done and as long as you maintain a B plus average, it's okay if you have a, a daily weed habit. Like I gave myself permission to smoke. Again, if I had all my work done for the day and I maintained my grades. And so I used to kind of have this, this story I tell myself that I was a smart pothead and that I could maintain everything and it would be cool. And I just thought that I would probably smoke for the rest of my life because here I am keeping my grades up and you know, I have somewhat of a social life and I also have this weed habit and I'm also athletic. You know, I would play basketball for hours and hours and hours every week. I would run, I would go to the gym. So it didn't seem to be having an adverse impact on my physical health. And I said, okay, I can, I can keep this up. And then things just kept, kept like, like leaning closer and closer to it becoming a problem for me. Because like I said, I was making these little bargains. I was recognizing that I liked it and I could do it regularly. And I started to believe that I needed it to fall asleep. And that's to me where I think it started to tip into this dangerous area because I started to form this attachment around weed, this attachment to weed. And, you know, if I didn't have it before going to bed, I might become a little anxious, and I've never, I haven't been a person who has suffered from anxiety or panic attacks or anything. So for me to feel anxious about something like that was it was a new feeling, it was a different feeling, and it was something that I wasn't familiar with and I was uncomfortable with, quite frankly. So I leaned more and more on the weed, particularly at night, to just calm those nerves. And I remember getting caught. <laughs> I remember getting caught by my mom. This was, uh, I'm away at school, and my weed habit traveled. It traveled from home 
to school and uh you know it it just I brought it with me and so when I was home I would have my paraphernalia and I had stuff like homemade pipes and things like that and I had one of them stashed in my closet and my mom was in my closet one day and found it and so she called me and said hey Matthew I was in your closet and uh and I found your pipe and I remember on being on the other end of my of the phone like oh no you know like I thought I was like it was all over I was about to get you know, my butt handed to me and all that. Uh, but my mom, she just told me that, you know, she used to smoke. You know, my mom grew up in, in the 60s and 70s and she used to smoke. And, you know, as long as I'm being safe about it. And I guess she also recognized that at that point, you know, I'd been arrested for drinking uh, a year or so prior. And, and here I am now she's discovering weeds involved too. It's like, what can she really do? I was off doing my own thing. Uh, I wasn't really financially connected to her as much. So she told me to be smart about it and, um, you know, just to, to kind of keep my head. And, you know, that it, it was things like that that would happen, right? Like I would get caught and, or, or I would feel you know, more anxious and things like that until it really got to the point where I started to prefer to be alone by myself with my weed than to be out with with friends and with people. And I remember, well, you know, and also coupled with that, this this is this is a big part of the story too, because along with the weed habit is when I think my porn habit started to increase as well. And so weed and porn became my thing. It was like, all right, everybody's out of the apartment. Let me lock the doors, smoke a little weed, watch a little porn. That was my thing. And I remember vividly it's funny if my, if my buddies end up listening to this episode. I've never told anybody this. I haven't told this to them. But uh, the movie Borat was out in theaters, and my friends really wanted to go see it. So I'm sure it was a Friday or Saturday or something, and they all made plans to go. And at the last minute, I backed out. I always knew I was going to back out, but I just didn't have the courage to tell them or make up an excuse. So we're they're like walking out the door, and I said, "Eh, I'm going to stay home." Like, what are you talking about? You're gonna stay home? What are you gonna do? Like, we're all going out. And we had a, a solid uh friend group of five of us or whatever. And for me to not go was just weird. But I decided that I was gonna stay home and smoke weed and watch porn instead. And that's exactly what I did. So along with, you know, deciding to just stay by myself and do my own thing, I started to feel very guilty. I started to feel an immense amount of guilt around smoking. And so when I would smoke, like as soon as I started to feel high, then I would have this strong, like almost overwhelming sensation that there was something else more important that I should be doing in the moment. And, you know, I use air quotes and I say the word should because just using that word is judgment. And I was judging the crap out of myself, but I did not realize it. I didn't realize how much I was judging myself for smoking, for isolating myself, for all of that, until I really started to recognize this guilt. And and the guilt was just really interesting. Like as soon as I would get high, like I said, I would feel this immense guilt that I needed to be doing something else like schoolwork or making money or, you know, talking to people, socializing doing all these other things. Like I felt like I needed to be doing all these other things, but I couldn't because I was high. And so for the rest of however many hours it took for the high to wear off, 
I just sat in this funk of of guilt and regret, like strong regret, self-criticism, and just judgment. And I, and I imagine now looking back, because I'm having this moment right now, that's probably why I wanted to be alone. Because I knew that when I would smoke, I would get hit with that wave of regret and guilt and judgment. And I didn't want to experience that around other people. So that's probably, you know, one of the underlying reasons why I would choose to smoke normally, typically alone. And so the guilt continued. And I dealt with that guilt for a long time, a long, long time. And it was just every single time I smoked, I would feel the guilt. And it was fascinating that like, I, I didn't, I didn't stop. I just continued and I didn't work on the guilt. I didn't do anything other than just continue. And it wasn't until one day I literally had a moment of like, what the heck are you doing, man? What are you doing? And it, it literally felt as if, you know, I had these storm clouds over me and they parted just briefly, just for a moment for some sunshine to pierce through. And when that sunshine hit me, it was like I could see what I was doing from a more elevated state. It was like seeing myself from 10,000 feet up being like, wow, that's what you're doing. And I really didn't like what I saw. And so in that moment, an urge came over me to just throw everything away. And so I grabbed everything. I grabbed the weed, my papers, my pipes. I had, a, I had like two or three different pipes that I used. I had a box, all my stuff, all, everything that I used to transport it, everything. I grabbed all of it and I threw it away. And I didn't touch weed again for well over a year. And it wasn't as if I, I relapsed or anything because that happened, I don't know, it was probably in my mid-20s when I threw everything away. And since then to this day, I'm now 31, uh, I've probably smoked two times, three times, and I ate an edible one time. And uh, that, again, that's another story because that was an interesting experience. But um, that was it. That was really the end of my weed habit. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And so, you know, looking back on all of that, it gives me an amazing opportunity to... Just understand how much fear played a part in that habit. And before I get into that, you know, I do want to say that I don't judge or criticize or view weed in a negative context or negative connotation. I don't think weed is bad at all. 
I think it simply is. You know, it simply is. It's a substance. And I mean, it's freaking natural for God's sakes. Like it grows out in nature, you know, and my relationship to it is what was unhealthy. It was 100% my relationship to it. That's what was unhealthy. That's what was damaging. That's where the guilt and the fear and the judgment came from. The weed itself, totally innocuous. It just was. And that's why at the beginning, I could enjoy it guilt-free. But as my relationship towards it changed, then it became something destructive in my life. And so that really has been a, a great lesson for me to understand the difference between content and context. Content, it just is. That's just the stuff. Context is the meaning that we put onto it. Context is the relationship. So the weed was the content, right? It just is. My context was that it was unhealthy. And I applied that to it. Because there's many people out there who, who are probably smoking and drinking, do whatever they want, and they can apply a much healthier context than I was able to. So you know, that's one of the things that I learned. And, and when I look back, you know, I look at how much fear played a part in my habit. And really, I was afraid of being with myself. As odd as I think that sounds, I was terrified of being with myself. And, and by being with myself, being with my thoughts, being with my own emotions, and truly being with how I felt about myself. Because what we did for me is it just cloaked all of that. It just, I mean, I wasn't, until I started to feel that guilt, I wasn't in my right mind when I was high. So I wouldn't have to think about my confidence Right? I wouldn't have to think about you know, the things that I, I, I felt like I needed to be doing in life. And remember, that stuff came because I could not run from it. And that's another fascinating sort of aha moment I'm, I'm having right now. It's like those things that I was trying to avoid. Remember, avoiding being with myself, avoiding the stories that I was concocting about myself. Those things came rushing back towards the end of, of my weed habit. So, you know, I was afraid of being with myself. I was afraid of feeling lonely. I was afraid of putting myself out there. I was afraid of being rejected. I was afraid of not being liked, afraid of being overlooked, especially by women, because this was all happening in, in those you know, late teens, early 20s. That's when friends of mine were pairing up, when I was seeing people all over the university just connecting and hooking up in relationships, and I wasn't having any of that. So I was afraid of being overlooked. I was afraid of not being taken seriously by people. I was really afraid of applying myself fully into something, like my schoolwork, and then not achieving the results that I wanted to. And when I think about it, I was really afraid of my own possibility. So I inserted a crutch. I inserted an ankle weight on myself so that I could lean on that as to why I wasn't able to get where I wanted to, whether it was in my own self-image, with women, in my schoolwork, and any sort of extracurriculars. I created this crutch because I was afraid. And yeah, I'm very grateful for that experience. Because if you've been listening to this show for any significant period of time, you've heard me talk about fear and love. 
And you've heard me bring up again and again this idea of stepping into your fears and stepping into those things that make you feel uncomfortable. And as I reflect on my life, it, it comes up in, in, in instances and in stories like, like I'm telling right now where fear, the things that I'm afraid of, I've avoided. And how the avoidance of those things has never worked out in my favor. It has never benefited me. And in this case, it came back. You know, it like rebounded to where at the end when I was smoking, I would feel so guilty. And the thoughts I had were so self-deprecating. I would beat myself up. I would just, I was my own worst enemy in those moments. And I just got caught up in that cycle and I just continued it. And so I really am, I really am grateful. And, you know, when I, when I think now, I'm going to get into some of those bigger takeaways that I had and that I have now looking back. You know, one of the things I've learned is, is again, just reiterating the point that running away from my fears has never worked for me. Because the longer that I ran away, the longer, like the bigger the gap in between really examining those things and dealing with those things, the stronger they grew. My fear of loneliness only grew the longer I didn't address it. You know, my fear of, of women, my fear of relationships, my fear of rejection only grew the longer I didn't do something about it. And so that has been a major theme running through my life. Another thing that I learned, another big takeaway was that when I removed weed from my life, something needed to take its place because there was a gap and I just ripped it out real fast. And so something needed to fill that vacuum. And what took its place immediately was beer and cigarettes. And this is another thing that I've never told anybody other than, other than Sarah. I smoked cigarettes for a, a short period of time. I mean, it was, it was pretty short. It was probably couple of months and you know I only purchased a few packs but there was a period where like I needed and wanted something to fill that that gap maybe part of it was the the habit of actually smoking something and I think part of it was also the little nicotine buzz that I would get when I would smoke a cigarette but I did that in secrecy I had two roommates at the time and I totally hid that from them and it's funny, if I talk to them, they probably knew because, I mean, it's kind of hard to hide the smell of cigarettes. But that's something that, that filled in the vacuum because I didn't have something healthier to replace it. So immediately when the weed was gone, beer and cigarettes filled in. And then I think porn filled in as well because, again, my weed and porn habits were, were you know linked together. So porn filled in as well. And eventually... Years later, I was able to replace all of those things with healthier habits, healthier choices, and making healthier deposits into myself. And for me, what that looked like many of the times was exercise. I would turn to exercise if I felt the urge to, you know, to smoke, to drink, to watch porn, I would turn to exercise. I would go outside. Thankfully, I lived in in a place with just beautiful sunny weather so you know i was able to get outside and enjoy nature and 
you know, be in movement, and that absolutely helped. And I also turned in turned to things the my activities that I really enjoyed. So I love going to the movies. And that was something I would do as well. I would go to the movies or I'd listen to music. I was really, really into music back then. Like I, I could just lay on my floor, put on an album and just, just listen and just kind of zone out. And so I turned to other things to give me those natural highs, you know, those, those, those natural spikes in, what is it, endorphins, and just to feel good, feel better. And the last takeaway, the last thing I learned, I already mentioned, and that's this idea that the weed itself wasn't bad. It was my relationship to it. You know, the weed itself wasn't unhealthy. It was my, my attachment to it that was unhealthy. And so the idea of content versus context is a big takeaway that I have. And I'm able to apply it today and think, wow, okay, you know, where am I creating an unhealthy relationship to something that just is, you know, it just is. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of, of things now looking back that um, I'm very grateful happened. I'm very, very grateful to have gone through that experience and there's definitely still aspects of it that I'm working on, that I'm working on shifting, that, uh, that, that still needs some healing. Maybe even using the word still is, you know, signifies that, that there's healing to be done because still implies some sort of judgment around time, around how long something is taking to be, you know, to be eradicated. And so I, 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 can, I can be comfortable and admit that that's there because I've come a long way. I have. And, um, you know, what's cool is being able to share things on this, in this episode, on this podcast that uh, I haven't shared with other people. And that's because I know there's somebody out there who this is really going to resonate because I don't think we're all that different. I think that there's, there's things that we experience that are very, very common. And, Yet we can, we can feel so lonely. We can feel so isolated. I felt it. Boy, I felt it. And a lot of it was, was my doing. You know, like I chose to stay home and smoke as opposed to go and experience things with friends. I chose that. And I even chose a, like a secluded weed habit because I'm sure there was people out there who were smoking weed and, and, and doing their own thing and, you know, having fun and who would have happily welcomed me into the group. I think weed smokers are, are very open, especially if you've, if you've got some, some to bring with you and share. But I still, I just wanted to sit in my own funk. I wanted to isolate myself and I know what that feels like. I mean, it, it sucks. Totally sucks to just be dealing with something on your own and you aren't even dealing with it. Because when I, when I think of dealing with something, that's coping. You're just existing with it. You're just experiencing it. And that's not fun because you don't feel as if you have any control. You don't feel as if you have any say. And that's where for me, the bargaining started to happen. I would bargain with myself because instead of me exercising my ability to choose and say, you know what? No, I'm not going to smoke every night before bed. Instead of doing that, I would bargain with myself and say, okay, if I'm going to smoke and make this a daily habit, then I also need to keep my grades up. 
That was me bargaining because in the moment I did not have the strength to choose contrary to my emotions. I didn't have the strength. And thankfully, you know, I had that one moment of clarity where in that moment of clarity, I just acted. I didn't think about it. I just acted and trashed everything. So, hey, you know what? I wouldn't have been able to smoke in that moment if I wanted to. However, I probably could have figured something out because I was very crafty. I was very, very crafty. If I wanted to get high, I was going to figure out how to do it. So there definitely was some sort of switch that flipped within me that said, even if I am really wanting this, I'm done. And so I share this story because, I, again, I know someone's going to connect with it. I know someone out there is, is just looking to feel heard and understood. And so that's you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to share this. And the other is because there's really fantastic lessons in it. You know, this idea of running from your fears. Like how often does that work? How many times has that worked for you to just turn, turn around and run from your fears or to put things in, in place? Like my wife and I were, were watching some horror movie, something. And uh, we were commenting on how, you know, in the movies like Halloween or Friday the 13th, the killer can just stalk the victim and can walk super slow. And no matter how fast the victim is running, that killer is always going to catch up to him. That's exactly how my fears were for, with me. No matter how far I ran, no matter how many things I tried to put in the way, no matter how many obstacles I tried to like, you know, trash cans I tried to overturn and, and things to throw in the path, didn't matter. The fear was right there. It was just slowly catching up. Didn't make any sense because I swear my legs are running faster than theirs, but the fear just kept slowly creeping up until eventually it got me. And, you know, that's just a, a great takeaway that we can all apply in our lives. So, yeah, this was, uh, this was cool. This, this feels, uh, I don't know, it, it felt like something I had wanted to share and talk about. And I'm interested to hear everyone's perspective and feedback on the episode. So feel free to reach out to me, mattcbivens at gmail.com. And uh, again, this was kind of a touchy one for me because, you know, I don't want people out there to, to you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a therapist, a counselor, a doctor, any of that stuff. So I'm not telling you what to do. I just want people out there to feel understood and to know that they're not alone. So <clears throat> go and, and, and do what you will with the, with the content. Apply your own context to it, right? And uh, yeah, you know, I hope you all continue to create and experience abundance and love in your life. That's really, you know, when it comes down to all of this stuff. You know, I, I've, I've had some clarity around really what this podcast is all about. You know, and it's about taking ownership over your life so that you can create the results and the experience that you want. And when you break down all, A-L-L, abundance, that's the results. Abundance in, in every area, in your faith, family, friends, fitness, finance, fun, abundance in all of those areas. And love, that's the experience. Experiencing yourself as coming from a place of love, as feeling love flow through you and out to others and feeling the love coming from other people. 
the ones who are super close to you and complete strangers. Because both of those things are out there. And it's just up to us to tap into them. And so when I share a topic like today, it is about taking, you know, extracting the lessons, finding the tools in there so that you can take ownership, taking ownership over your life so that you can create the results and experience that you truly want. All right. And with that, my name is Matthew Bivens, and here's to you having it all. Quick note about the Having It All podcast. I am not a doctor nor a licensed therapist. I'm a guy with a story and a passion for conscious conversation. My thoughts, opinions, and beliefs are my own. So please consult with your doctor or healthcare provider regarding any questions or issues you have related to your personal, physical, or mental health. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.